Welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine. Content is today's media currency. We consume content from the minute we wake up, on the move, on the loo, or wherever we have access to a screen. Whether we admit it or not, we are all content obsessed, and some of us make a living creating it. My two guests straddle this brave new content-hungry world, from working with established media and broadcast brands to creating their own. Welcome, Lucy Cave and Sophie McCartney. Hello. Hello. Now, I'm a little bit intimidated by your achievements, both of you, and you both have incredible credentials. So um, let, let's let's get them out of the way. Um, and let me first introduce <laughs> Lucy Cave, who cut her teeth as a television host. I don't know about that. And went on to lead teams within some of the UK's biggest media brands across audio, video, digital and print. Lucy is currently Chief Content Officer at Bauer Media, responsible for standout award-winning editorial and commercial campaigns across 105 brands and 25 million consumers. Luckily for us, entertainment and comedy are two of Lucy's passions, and at Funny Women, we are working with her team at Heat, one of the most recognisable Bauer properties, as our partner for the newly created Heat Content Creator Award. Lucy, welcome, and it's great to have you here. Thank you. you. Uh, Do you know what? I am so thrilled that we're working with you on the Funny Women Awards this year, and I, I know you're a bit of a fan hopefully of funny women and comedy generally, but you attended the very last time we had a proper live final in 2019, didn't you? Yeah, it was amazing. And it feels like about a billion years ago. <laughs> I know, I know. That no. was the year that Laura Smith won, I believe. Yeah, and she was just incredible, just so funny, as you would hope. It's just really fresh. It was just a really great event to go to. And it was kind of, it, it, I like the sort of rawness of it as well, and the fact that you could just sit yeah. in sit in the break on the floor <laughs> down in pints of wine, which was always. <laughs> I like the pints of wine. I think we'll yeah. all buy into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Laura Smith was the queen that night, but today's content queen, and my guest is Sophie McCartney, aka Tired and Tested, who won the award that we created last year in lockdown for the Funny Women Best Web Series, which was voted for by the general public. Sophie describes herself as a 30-something parenting vlogger turned comedy mum and her riotous representation of modern-day mumming has turned her into content royalty with over 1.2 million adoring social media fans. Sophie's down-to-earth, no-holds-barred approach to parenting features in numerous viral videos, clocking up over 250 million online video views. She is currently working on her first non-fiction book, as well as a debut comedy novel. Sophie, I mean, oh. prepared to stardom. I hope we had something to do with that. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> do you know what? We're all so proud of you at Funny Women. I, oh. I wish you'd been around when I was having my kids 30-odd years ago. Oh. It would have made such a difference. 
I'll be there for the grandkids' day instead. Yeah, all right. We'll work on that. <laughs> bit, bit early for that one. Uh, and what, what is your funniest? What is your funniest moment as a comedy mum? Have you got a particular? Oh, um, oh God, it's not anything I've ever spoken about, but it's just something that springs to mind. My daughter was walking out of school the other day, and um, you know, when kids always like hold themselves when they need the loo. And I was like, Evelyn, do you need the toilet? Do you need the toilet? And then she just shouts at the top of her lungs, no, mommy, just an itchy mini. And I was like, brilliant. Okay. There were about 50 people walking by of school. I was like, good to know, isn't it? And then one of the other mums was like, oh, don't we all just wish we could stay the same? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> I, I can feel another, I can feel another of your videos coming on, Sophie, for that one. Yeah, they give me great content. What can I say? And that's why Sophie won the best web series last year, because, you know, that that's what it was all about um that award sophie has now morphed into the new funny women heat content creator award and i do think it's a reflection of how content has really taken over our lives so it's it's the lifeblood isn't it of the entertainment and media worlds and um lucy how has this played out in the publishing and broadcast world you know has the, has de has demand changed or has it increased for content I mean, it's obviously it's increased for content. It's it's so interesting because I've been, God, I've been at Bauer for about a billion years, and my before I was chief content officer back in the day, I used to edit Heat and that. But that when it very first started, it was you know it's it's weird to to think it was like before we had any social media. You know when yeah. we put Heat work, I remember we were like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna create Heat World, which was obviously our digital platform, and we mm. at one point had a banner over the top of it going heat world open nine to five as if <laughs> the internet only you can as if you can start the internet at nine and then finish at five but then it just seemed you know people only would log on at nine and then finish at five like a normal work day oh it's we wish yeah no it's incredible <laughs> just to think how it's changed and you know when i look back on some of the you know the shows that we championed that were part of the sort of evolution of heat when you look at things like big brother and you think about what that yeah. what that would have been like if social media um was around then and i guess you know it would have been a completely different landscape for them really because even though they you know even though some some of the the people in big brother were kind of vilified by the media particularly some of the tabloids it would have been a million times worse if social media had been yeah that's so true and i think for them then they could almost compartmentalize it so that they could it did it was you know what they were doing on tv and they were part of the entertainment world but they could still maintain an element of life to themselves which you can't now that that's very interesting because sophie you became an influencer having had a sort of previous career in PR and, and, and marketing exactly like me and you know so how do you think that's helped you your background um, do you know what I there's I I hated my job <laughs> I know that you're PR marketing but I hated it I was miserable I picked PR so I went to Leeds Met and that was my degree I went off and I did my I got my tutu in in PR because I just went out and had a brilliant time um and I mainly chose that degree because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and I'd been watching it absolutely fabulous and I was like that's the job for me <laughs> it's good enough it's good enough for Adina that's my job right there so I picked that and um, went into it and hated it and Lucy I was the kind of person that was calling the offices at Heat Magazine going <laughs> 
Hi! <laughs> it's Sophie calling, like speaking to the entertainment team and trying to get them to write about a new brand of crackers that I was working on. Like it was, we probably spoke. We probably <laughs> did. You probably hung up on me. Fair enough. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. and, um, but yeah, so I spent a lot of time on the other side of it and it's funny really because I as I went off to go on maternity leave which was first time was 2013 social media still hadn't really quite even though it was there and there were blogs and there was presence I don't think content how it is now was anywhere near the same so it was very much you know we were looking at people who their followings were were quite big but they weren't putting a huge amount of effort into Mm. video creation and um and and people I don't think were still digesting video creations in the same way that they are now so I kind of left when it was kind of beginning to get going and then I kind of came back and freelanced in between as it was more established and then when I then decided to quit eventually and just go my own way I was a bit like, do you know what? I could, I could do better. Mm. <laughs> I could do so better. you you were sort of ahead of the game, really, I think, because you could see the way things were going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think in terms of what I do when I work with brands, for example, it's quite advantageous because I sit in the middle. I know what I want to do as a creator, for example, but I also know from a corporate perspective yeah. what a brand would be looking for and what they can and can't get away with but then I also think when I was in that corporate world I'd be coming up with all these ideas for big creative brand campaigns and it was always quite disheartening because we wouldn't be able to do them because there's so much red tape around what you can and can't do in the corporate world so actually it was brilliant then when I was just like well you know what I'm just going off and doing all these wacky weird videos on my own (laughs) And it's now funny because so many brands approach me because of those videos that they'd never be able to do in the corporate world but they want to work with me anyway. Well, it's all about the world of work. So, Lucy, um, explain a little bit about what being a chief content officer involves, because I know you've been involved in many campaigns, you know, almost sort of changing culture. And how has your role changed as well in this sort of brave new world? So as chief content officer, I sort of straddle the two worlds of, uh, even though I'm very short, I still straddle them. Um, I straddle the worlds of kind of editorial and sort of um, content programming from an audio perspective. So that's our sort of magazine editors and our program directors in the radio space and also the commercial space. And that's, it's kind of been a natural evolution for me because when I was at Heat, invariably as time went on then we'd have all these big ideas of things we wanted to do and then no editorial budgets to make them and so then we were like well we need to find a brand that's going to pay for us to do the stuff that we want to do and it needs to be a like-minded brand and we need to you almost got to be more creative when you're working with the brand because you've got to try and make it not feel like it's it's advertising so that was sort of the natural evolution for me for heat and then it expanded across all of our brands obviously our kind of you know, I can't work across all brands at any one time, but it depends which ones are sort of priorities for the business. And I will work with the editors. I like work with the editor of Grazia on campaigns, you know, that that feel right for that audience kind of spanning the next few months uh, and equally campaigns that are applicable to all of our audiences. So that you're probably talking about the mental health campaign that I sort of spearheaded yeah. a couple of years ago called Where's Your Head At, which was essentially around normalizing the conversation around mental health and make and and kind of highlighting the fact that we treat 
physical health like first we have first aiders in every workplace and college and we don't and there is such a thing as mental health first aiders and it seemed ridiculous that you kind of you know you know someone on your floor will help you if you've cut yourself but you're you've fallen over or you feel faint but if you're feeling anxious or feeling rubbish there's no one to talk to so that's that's where that came from and then obviously the content and what how we spoke to our audiences um sort of spanned from that and then it's around coming up with ideas that we that can sort of make us money in some way but that also grow audiences so an example of that is um we've got a series a sort of love island companion series for heat called under the duvet which we created three or four years ago when we could see that love island was going to be massive it was before it kind of was the sort of big bear moth that it is today and we sort of created a bit of a you know, our, our sort of version, like Big Brother's Little Brother to that, really, with with the heat tone, the sort of unofficial one. And then it just grew a really big audience and we've done it every year. And then the la- last year we we managed to sort of secure a partnership with Voxy from Vodafone, which is their sort of younger end of the brand. And the good thing about that is, I mean, they're obviously pushing endless social media, which is relevant because this is on social media. And they just let us get on with it in terms of the content and the language and and the features that we wanted to do rather than it them Mm. dictating how we do it so that felt a natural synergy and obviously then it was great for the heat brand because it kind of just helps that sort of cycle of creating more content really I think that's a really interesting insight and Sophie I know you well you and I have worked on a couple of campaigns together for clients as well but do you want to just um you know, talk about a particular a project that you've worked on. Well, gosh, I've, it's there's, there's been loads, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Always busy. There's just so many. <laughs> so many. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been part of a few different campaigns, and I I like to do I like to work on things that make me happy, that yeah. make me laugh, that I I would naturally engage with, and I think that's half the battle of as Lucy kind of straddled those two worlds for me straddling that kind of the fence I guess of being a comedian but also being online as well and especially during lockdown pre-lockdown I just started getting out and I was gigging I was doing stand-up stuff and that was very much a direction that I wanted to span off into as well and then lockdown happens and it was like okay no I'm just going to stay here and this is how I'm going to earn mm. my money. And I think a lot of people will look at um, online content creators and they, I, I get so many people who message me and say, what do you do as a job? I'm like this. this is uh, yeah. And I think there's an expectation that we just pull things together and just throw them out. And there's no yeah. time that's gone in behind the scenes. And, you know, when I do ads for things, occasionally I'll get messages from people who are so angry at me that I have done promoted content and paid for content I'll get people saying things like I liked you so much more before you started doing (sighs) ads and I just don't think people appreciate that people who work in online content actually wouldn't really be able to support their way of life and and doing all these brilliant videos that bring joy to people's lives that people enjoy sharing and they enjoy following a person for that content because you know what we'd all have to go out and get a different job to be able to pay the mortgage and support our families and then there'd be no time to but, but, but Sophie, I know, um, and I, I know Lucy is aware as well of just how much goes into the planning mm-hmm. of just one of your short videos. So it, yeah. when you do it for a paying client, it's the same amount of work, but 
probably more work because you're having to deal with their aims and ambitions and their script, you know, and, you know, my background working in PR, certainly even pre-social media and pre-content as we know it now, you you still have to tick all the boxes because that's how you earn your living. It's really weird, isn't it, that people don't understand it. They don't. And I just think it's, in a, in a way, it's almost a compliment because they think that what I do maybe is just so natural that I have just thought of this, you know, three minute sketch and it <laughs> took me 20 minutes to film it. And that's it. <laughs> done. You know, what, what else are you doing with your free time? Whereas actually that's taken me a week to come up with the concept. It's taken me another week to film it and edit it and get it tight. And, you know, I just think people, there's a general kind of lack of mm. understanding about what we do. And I think people will just see influences. And it's not really a term that I like kind of too much and you know it's something I guess I've fallen into in, into that sphere but yeah, yeah I well, think there's a bit of a perception about you know well we'd all just stand there with teeth whitening products and we just get paid thousands <laughs> well, for it. it's but, such a different world and it's not the same as it, traditional no, advertising at all no it's not and um and so, so yeah so there's there's campaigns that I've worked on that are, can be very commercial I've worked on campaigns that have got a more of a kind of serious message to them mm. I'm now an ambassador for Tommy's The Miscarriage um, Charity and I do a lot with those guys and I'll create bits of content for them as well. So yeah, for me, it's all about striking a balance of uh, still being true to myself and what I enjoy doing, working with brands that I like working with and then also doing, you know, some other bits and bobs that kind of keep me spread So what is really good that both as a large organisation like Bauer and you as an individual, there is always that balance between commercial imperatives and doing some good and certainly the work that Lucy's done uh, on the mental health is just incredible um and I wish more workplaces would take a lead you know follow Bauer's lead on that because we're going to have a lot of people struggling to go back to work and manage their mental health I think we've all been through the biggest probably mental health crisis that we've ever been through in our lives This is How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. To find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www.herlarious.co.uk. Lucy, um, do you just want to pick up on the commercial aspects of how it works for you at Bauer? Yeah, it varies really. I mean, it can straddle anything. I keep using the word straddle. Well, we love the word straddle. Yeah. We're gonna, we're all straddling. Yeah, yeah. straddling, straddling <laughs> my chair at the moment. Yeah, it can go between um, anything from you know a brief coming in. I guess in the same way that Sophie will get a brief, we'll get briefs in to say from a from a new numerous brands because we've got so many different. Um, you know, brands ourselves that span all sorts of different audiences. So depending on, you know, can be a Sainsbury's, can be a Lloyds Bank, can be a Voxy from Vodafone, could be anything. And then that brief will come in and then we'll, we will look at the audiences and work out which brands we think should respond to that. And then it's about coming up with one big idea that works for the client, but also works for our brands because ultimately it's, you know, it's, you know, we've, it's the integrity of our brands as well in the same way that Sophie, I'm sure you probably wouldn't, work for every brand that comes to you so no, it's important to make not, sure yeah. we'll you know we'll we'll we will say if it's not right for you know grazia will turn away quite a lot of 
asks because it just does, it's not the right environment yeah. for for their for their audience and it needs to it's only it's only going to work as well in terms of branded content if it if if it is the right fit because then the audience is going to respond to it in the right way mm-hmm. so so things like that that will go into our team and some of those responses end up being can be anything from like 24 to 72 hours turnaround which I always think is ridiculous because somebody somewhere has had this brief about a million years ago and actually you could get a much oh, better yeah. idea if somebody put it in a bit earlier but the but I guess for me I'm more and more involved in sort of the conversations earlier so we're looking at trends across our you know the macro trends that affect all of our audiences but then the trends that our individual content directors creators editors are seeing coming through from their audiences and then talking to clients that we work with a lot about those insights I guess and then seeing what we can come up with together because if you've got longer a longer planning time and ideation time then you're going to come up with better ideas really Mm. and I guess that again goes down to sort of the value of longer partnerships as opposed to sort of the shorter ones because you can do more and you can be more creative and we've had Wix has been a partner with our um from from an audio space for like eight years now and so they were they started as a sort of partner on absolute radio but then it meant that you know their relationship with the content director of absolute radio is so tight that it's like the you know the marketing director can call the presenter and go look we've got to sell some shelves what can we do (laughs) you know and they'll come up with really funny things and like they they had ages ago like a a a kind of phoning thing called how tall you do or something and so people had to to do their best impressions of a tool and people had to guess what it was like a new i'm not saying anything (laughs) no yeah but um but just silly things and like they you know i think they did a thing called breakfast where they had so wix built the stage that then was on in somebody's garden and they had kasabian playing and it just means you can be wow you can plan and be a bit more you know, a bit more yeah. creative and funnier with the product, which yeah, yeah. Oh, humor is so important, isn't it? I mean, Sophie, you know how much humor sells, and I know that you get you you get booked because you're a comedy mum and you're funny, and you know that's what people are looking for. But yeah, it's a really big selling point, isn't it, Sophie? It, it is, and um, and just there with Lucy, I'm all about kind of long term partnerships with the brands that I work with. They're the ones that I get the best results from i think as well in in the sphere that i work in if you're constantly doing loads and loads of ads for loads and loads of different brands i think yeah. that you potentially have not that you lose your integrity as such but you know it can seem like you're just flitting about maybe not for for the greatest cause mm. um so for me i i have maybe three or four brands that i have worked with now for over a year they keep coming back and, you know, and, and they're really relaxed now. They don't even really bother giving me briefs, which is the best oh, way. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, it, the, it's the worst thing. And I understand it again, because I've been in that PR person's shoe where they give you a really descriptive brief. And, you know, these are the key core messages that you have to hammer in within the first <laughs> 10 seconds. And I'm like, okay, well, people watch for three. So, um, so, you know, right. you've got to, you've got to get the in best ones are when we way. get, the best ones are when we get a client who wants us to put on a show and they want every comedian to write a set, you know, based on their product and just getting people to realise that yeah. that's not the way you sell a product, no, you know. It's not. It's not. It's, and again, going back to what Lucy's saying about timings as well. And I yeah. think that's possibly my 
my biggest bugbear is when I would get something that comes in and they go, well, can you turn it round for oh, yeah. maybe the end of the week or in two or three days? And so, well, do you know what? I can. It's going to be rubbish. Um, <laughs> but but you, if you want to pay me <laughs> to be, for it to be rubbish. Um, and I, I just, again, I think it's a lack of, you yeah. know, understanding in, in creative departments as to what goes into to content production and the effort. I think, Lucy, uh, this comes out of... I mean, I hate the word ignorance, but I think that is the right word. They just don't look behind the work, you know. And even in publishing, you need deadlines, whether you're doing an instant content thing online or whether you're in print. But, yeah, I think planning is all, don't you? Completely. And it's just, you know, you're going to get the best work if you've got longer, you've got longer to sort of develop that work and you know and also when you're talking about planning it's also the approval process as well so only that you've got to factor in you know they almost it sometimes it almost feels like the idea which is actually the most crucial part of it give you get about like a day to do (laughs) and then it's like and then the approval process goes on for months yeah um yeah it's just it does really need sort of re valuing I think but it's just I don't know where it's got lost in the chain but you know as I said earlier you can have those conversations the better stuff you're going to get out of it yeah well I've had a lot of experience in my PR career and also with funny women of this experiential marketing phenomena you know which is you know pre-covid was sort of big events and festivals and big set pieces and people would plan for those they'd plan ahead for those when it comes to online and, and web content, it's back to this thing. They think, oh, you can just whip it up in, in seconds. And it needs the same amount of planning. If you want to do a really good campaign, you've got you've got to have your timings. Sophie? Yeah, a- absolutely. And it, you, just, you just take me back to a time in my mind. I'm chuckling <laughs> to myself when you're saying about that whole type of marketing. My PR days, I had um, a brand of, let's say, um, crumbed fish, in the form of hand digits. I'm not, oh, I won't yeah. go into, yeah, yeah. You know, into which uh-huh. it was. <laughs> All parents know what we're talking yeah, about here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and kind of our big thing was we created the world's biggest version of said digits. And we, we had one made. Ah. And we took it, and we. And to be honest, Lucy, we probably came to you with it as well. <laughs> we <laughs> I remember, I remember that one. I think I'd probably <laughs> ask. I'd ask if I could bring it back to put in my bedroom. Probably <laughs> <laughs> would have defrosted it. It was a real. It was a real one. Oh um, my lord! Yeah, oh, and, silly. and I know. And, and so me, and um, at the time, I was I was a senior PR. Uh, executive and then Lucy, my, so a girl called Lucy who's actually funnily enough my agent now um, <laughs> but she was my junior but because she came in like a week after me and so I was like oh sorry babes you're going to also have to get into this seven foot um, foam outfit that we've also made for company <laughs> <laughs> oh the glamour the oh glamour. the glamour and we dragged around every publishing house every broadcast in the whole of London for a whole day so yeah I mean there's none of that anymore is there there's none of that I kind of miss those days I mean my biggest was a a massive kids bubble bath for um matey bubble bath do you remember matey I don't know if it still exists I don't know they do still do it Yeah. yeah we did this big event at a theme park and the original idea was to have, you know, like a big bubble bath. I don't think it quite worked out. I think we were blowing bubbles. But you know what? All that, you know, when you do that in real life, it's it's kind of fun. Um, but you can create that kind of same vibe, 
using online and, and video and what have you. So, you know, I think those of us who've worked old school may have a, you know, I think we have a little bit of an advantage. I'd like to think so. Otherwise, we're all becoming di- dinosaurs, which yeah. Yeah. I probably am. Say, in my day, <laughs> in, in my day. day. We would have so, stood outside like PC and waited for Terry Wogan to come out and eat that sandwich. <laughs> You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work, brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious. So just moving on, where does it all go from here, Lucy? What, what's What's the future look like? I mean, in publishing and broadcasting where does content go for you I mean it you just have to go where everyone is that's the thing it's kind of it's constantly moving and changing and and you know it's you can't just be narrow-minded and think oh this was a success one so this is so we've got to stick to this you've just got to follow you've got to kind of watch where the audience is going but then equally I guess you've got to be aware that some things seem much more exciting and they might not last as long, you know, because otherwise if, and from a publishing point of view, you know, just listening to Sophie talking, you know, it, and that Sophie, you, you know, you're focusing on your content as a, you know, constantly day in day out so it's a, it's a resource thing as well so you've got to be you've got to sort of manage that and think where is where have we got the best opportunity where do we genuinely think our audience is going to be and are going to stay for a while and then how do we upskill or bring in new skills for that and sort of resource but it's just it's constantly evolving but it's also if you look at podcasts that's the mad thing like we you know yeah. Empire Magazine did a we're doing podcasts years ago when no one was listening to podcasts and and then they seem like such an old school thing to suddenly re-emerge but they're bigger than ever so you just don't really know where that's going to come from and it could be something that's going to come back from 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 our day back (laughs) in the dark ages I I have to say the podcast revolution it took me a long time to get to this stage but it is great you know to be able to do what we all do and just have these chats so you know all hail podcast sophie where do you think it's all going where's what's the future in your in your eyes who blooming knows it's probably tiktok isn't it and i'm just like (laughs) you roll for it (laughs) um yeah it does it shifts daily and what lucy was saying is you know I, i do i look at my followers, I look at where they're at and you have to be adaptable. You have to move mm. forward and you can't rely on your previous successes. This is what I say all the time when I talk about my videos. I might have had a video that's had 20 million views on it, um, but I can't just dine out on that until the end of time. Just next week, crack on, do a different one and see where that takes you. Um, TikTok is an interesting one though. Um, it's it's obviously a much younger platform at the moment, but there are some of us oldies in our 30s <laughs> upwards that, that, that are there as well. And for me, my biggest platform is Facebook. And some people, and I know Lynn, we've had this combo before, but some people roll their eyes and they're like, oh, Facebook. <laughs> for me, in terms of my target audience currently, you know, uh, who's on social and how they digest that, that media, a lot of them are on Facebook and it's still in theory the biggest platform it's two billion yeah. versus instagram's one million and um and tiktok's wherever they're at now um however many hundred million whatever they're on but so so for me it's, it's knowing where my people are at adapting my content for that tiktok is much obviously much shorter form although i have seen it now started doing three minute plus videos on yeah TikTok, which is interesting and like a real sort of thing yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. even longer than, than the real so you could always have up to i think it's always been 60 seconds on 
TikTok, but now they've opened it up to the three minutes, which for people like me who make long form content and have now just started adapting short form content, it just opens up a different dynamic there. But the whole thing about TikTok is it's very much geared on trends and people interpreting other people's work and putting their own spin on it, which is a creator that's quite a it's quite a different way of working because what happens and and it is the whole vibe of, of that platform is that people take your work and they copy it yeah. and they don't credit you for it yeah. in cases. but you know on tiktok that's kind of like a semi-acceptable thing what i am seeing a lot of now which i feel quite uncomfortable with and um, is people they for example will be on tiktok they'll see viral videos on tiktok they'll recreate them themselves away from tiktok they then post them to Instagram and its original content and there's no um there's no kind of tagging or crediting anybody yeah. on TikTok for that work and then these videos are going viral on Instagram people are getting thousands and thousands of of new followers and it's predominantly based on the fact that they're taking ideas from TikTok and knowing that Instagram's a much bigger platform and statistically not as many people on Instagram will have seen these videos on TikTok mm. and um and 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 that's how they're kind of gaining their following and i I think when you put a lot of effort into creating original content that can be a little bit when i see it but it's so many people do it and it's just just kind of like the done thing now but that always makes me a bit sad that there isn't a a lot of credit that goes back to the original creators it's a wild west still i think there's going to still be a lot of evolution a lot of things going to change you know and we have to keep on top of it and Sophie you've been brilliant you've come and run some workshops and been part of our comedy crash courses so you know I'm sure we'll be revisiting all of this again because it's something that comes up a lot Um, I just want to finish with asking you Lucy because I think it's your area of mental health I I get overwhelmed daily on just looking at content because everyone's better than me younger than me more successful than me um how do we you know how do we manage that because do we just switch off what what's your view of that and you've worked a lot in the mental health area it's interesting because i i'm I'm totally with you and somebody was saying somebody who i worked with the other day was talking to another kind of content director about you know what their plans were and strategy and they actually said i'm just risk managing fomo (laughs) Because yeah. it's kind of, you know, and that's kind of what people's life is like a lot of the I time. It's like trying to keep up. And I actually think, you know, I think there, I think people are starting to realise, you know, some people, it, it does need to be limited in terms of your con- consumption of social media and of content. And I think people are starting, there's obviously apps and, social, and certain social media that help people sort of, manage that and even things like your screen time which comes up on your on your Mm. phone to tell you how much you're looking at it I think people are getting a bit more used to thinking actually is this good for me or not good for me and kind of switching off the you know the the people they follow that aren't making them feel good but it but and it might be that 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 becomes a bit of the evolution of it in terms of you know really sort of slowing down that Mm. that sort of consumption but there's always going to be something else that pops up it's it's more that it's more kids I think that it worries me around especially because I've got 
you know, I've got, got a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and I'm like, what is it going to be like when they're when they're allowed yeah. when they're kind of demanding a phone and and you have to feel like you've got to give them a phone so that they're not mm. outcast? It's like, what are they? I'm hoping that everything's been sorted by then. <laughs> social media platforms will have you know actually worked out what they're doing and actually you know managed to sort of you know create more of a walled garden around the trolls but sophie's kids are already her director and her um you know advisors <laughs> although me i i just don't have a leg to stand on um so my my eldest he's eight can be nine in february and he, i don't let him i only just let him have um, a, a nintendo switch he hates me as public enemy number one because all his friends had one he's on oh, Fortnite, Fortnite. i was like absolutely not um and you know he's the last to get anything but and especially he'll be the last to get a phone and he'll be the last to have social media Aww. but again doing what i do i feel <laughs> that there'll be a certain amount of irony and there's a mommy's not allowed you know <laughs> mommy's not allowing you to go anywhere near it but Again, it's because I've seen I've seen that other side of it. I've seen some of the horrific things that are said to other people. I've had people say horrific things yeah. to me. And there's absolutely no way that I would let my kids, you know, until that they were old enough to, to be able to get a bit more of a firm grasp and it go anywhere near it. And I think that's, again, one of the things with TikTok, their demographics are, are so young. I met a, a little boy who was... He was nine and he had his TikTok account, and I was like, "Why? Oh, that's Why? so sad. Why would you do that?" And they're all, you know, all talking about it in school. I'm going to go on TikTok. I'm going to get on TikTok, and it's scary. It, it's a scary place. And yeah, like like Lisa said, I'm just hoping by the time mine get there, that either they've sorted it all out, or just you know, social media just like devoured itself. All <laughs> I don't, I don't know. We'll all be left without jobs. Oh. Well. Um, <laughs> well before we all get devoured by uh, media time, <laughs> nice segue, Lynn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we um, let, let, I'd just like our listeners to have one tip from you each about how you have fun at work, since that's what the podcast is all about. Lucy. Laughing at yourself, I think. Um, I'm, I'm never, you know, I'm always pretty honest about what's going on in my life um it's probably a bit I probably share a little bit too much so I think even if you know no matter where you are in a in a company or you know what kind of meeting you're having I feel like it's being a bit self-deprecating and just um you know and that's about honesty isn't it so yeah that that is a good starting point I I think really yeah. in terms of how to have fun at work because it allows other people to to tell you anything as well and then that's where sort of humor and kind of creativity can come from sophie how do you have fun at work i know you have fun at work, I have fun at work. yeah <laughs> I echo everything that lucy said um for me i it's all about bringing the humor i left a career that i hated because it didn't make me happy and i moved into something that does make me happy so it's so important to enjoy what you do and how you get that job satisfaction it might be humor it might be surrounding yourself with good people who are good for you mentally um physically it's just you know just about having a good time being at one with yourself and not being too hard on yourself as well mm. and, and and not doing all comparison to other people as well especially in social because there is yeah. so much of that and it will just drive you around the bend so just stop looking at what other people do concentrate on yourself and you'll be a lot happier i think great advice and where can we find you lucy well you can find me me on on uh, <laughs> on my instagram which is the lucy cave uh and then uh 
you know, you can look at where's your head at, which obviously is kind of our yeah. mental health space. So that's um, where's your head at.org, which kind of tells you what we're doing around our campaign. Um, but yeah, Instagram or Twitter, but I'm Lucy Cave. And Sophie? At the moment, just panic eating biscuits in a kitchen cupboard because I'm on a deadline. But um, <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> you can mostly find me on Instagram, tired and tested, on Facebook, tired and tested, and on TikTok as well. I'm doing it. I'm doing <laughs> She's it. doing it. I'm She's doing, doing it. it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in, which is tired and tested as well. Oh. Um, oh, and when I hit my deadline, my first book is out in February 2022. <laughs> oh, we'll all be there. We'll all, we'll all be promoting it. Thank oh, you both thanks. so much, Lucy and Sophie. And uh, Look forward to the next chapter, quite literally. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. Chicka, 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 chicka.